Thank you, Tom. Good evening, Frankie. It's a privilege to be here tonight to address you again in the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ. And it's uh, always a privilege to meet God's people anywhere and to speak of that great name, Jesus. I certainly appreciate the song that Brother just sang. That's, that's my favorite. In the day that when they're trying to make Jesus just merely a prophet or a good man or a teacher, that really brings out his deity, what he was. And I believe that he was, there was never one like him on earth, never will be. He was Emmanuel, he was Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end, he that was, which is the child from, the root and offspring of David, the morning star. In him dwelt deity. In him was God. God was in his Son, in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Jesus said, it's not me that doeth the works, but it's my Father that dwells in me. My Father and I are one. God made manifest in flesh. What a marvelous revelation of God's love to us. He would unfold himself and come down and dwell in human flesh in order to take away sin and sickness from the human race, redeem us back to the Father. That's wonderful, isn't it? We sure appreciate that. Now, last night, I guess I'll have to kind of apologize. I, Billy got me a little quick last night because it was kind of, uh, I got weak. But those meetings, that discerning, no one will never know what it is. That's it. Is. You have to come into it to know it. There's no way of trying to explain it. There's not a, a way that you could do it. It's just an experience that that no one knows about, only those who go through it. What it does to the human race, what it does to the man, brings the very life out of him. Well, you're living in two worlds. You're in a world here and you're in a world there. You were somebody else maybe 50 years ago. Then you may be with somebody years to the day to come. And yet you realize you're standing on the platform here and you're speaking something that happened many, many years ago. Maybe weeks ago, months ago, or another nation, another place or something. And then you kind of keep yourself straight in that and thinking, tell you it's quite a thing. But the Lord has blessed us so far in it, and we're very happy and trust now that God will get glory from the meeting. Now, in the, the services tonight, I thought while we're just a little handful of people uh, together, our meetings is only advertised locally here, and it's just for the local people. And before we get into the larger part of the meetings, I was thinking today that I would try to maybe uh, get some of the old-fashioned teaching out of the Bible to the people, that when the great uh, event comes, if God sends it to us, then we'll be able to understand it better. After all, divine healing is just the, the bait on the hook to catch the fishes, you know, it's just, that's the one the fish grabs at the bait and gets the hook. So our main, our one alternative is this, that souls won to Jesus Christ. If God heals you tonight, you may get sick again before you die. You may be sick again in a year from now, two years from now. Maybe sick in a week from now, or a day from now. I don't know. But there's one thing sure, you're going to leave this world some of these days. Because this is just patched up. But if that soul ever comes in contact with the Holy Spirit and is born again, you have eternal life. No matter what happens here, you never perish. Jesus said, He that heareth my words, believeth on him, and sent me, 
past, that's present tense, everlasting life shall not come into condemnation, but past, past tense, past from death unto life. That makes us all Methodists and start shouting, wouldn't it? That's right, to think that, that God has did that. Now, that's not my word, that's his. St. John 5, 24. St. John 6, Jesus said, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood has everlasting life, and I'll raise him up to the last day. That's right. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood has, as present tense, everlasting life. Now, if it's everlasting, it doesn't just go from one revival to the other, but it goes through eternity. Now, for some of you ministers that are sitting by, knowing that that everlasting life comes from the same word that means God's life, the word zoe, Greek word, which means God's own life, then we become a son or a daughter of God, an offspring of God, but part of God's life in us. We could no more perish than God could perish. <laughs> so we have everlasting life and go to be raised up in the last days. That wonderful? That would make Baptist, Methodist shake hands and shout, wouldn't it? Sure would. That's right. That's the good thing about the old-time religion. It just makes everybody step together and love one another. Sure does. Takes all the differences away. Makes new creatures. It'll make a, a tuxedo coat and a pair of overhauls put their arms around one another and say, Brother, how are you getting along? <laughs> sure will. It'll make a silk dress and a calico put their arms around and say, Sister, I love you. That's what it does. It sure does. It tears down the difference. Rich or poor, bond or free, we're all one in Christ Jesus. Sunday at the tabernacle, which I see there's a whole group of tabernacle people sitting here. We had we had a, a Sunday school lesson on the redemption by the blood. And I got so wound up in it that I, I feel like I'm still in another sphere somewhere uh, on redemption by blood. And tonight, after the family had left and had come over here early to get to hear the song service and so forth, I was in the room and seemed like I began to read in the scriptures and I found something. I thought, well, if the Lord willing, I'll just talk on that a little while tonight. That's redemption by blood Sunday. Now, tonight, I'm going to speak on redemption by power. And tomorrow night, I'm going to speak on redemption in completeness, if God willing, that is, in joy. And blood and power and in joy, redemption. And to pull this out, now, many people with fine, educated scholars knows how to break through and give these kind of revelation, maybe for this or that, or cast some. But me, I'm kind of one of these here illiterate type of preachers that only thing that I know to do to be sure that I'm pretty near right anyhow is to go to the shadows. If I started walking towards the wall and the light on this side, I could tell what, just about what I looked like, whether I was a four-footed beast or a fowl or what it was. If I see what kind of a shadow, I reflect. Now, the Old Testament was a shadow of the New Testament. It was the negative, like the moon to the sun. The sun shining on the moon reflects the light to the earth. And I just love the Old Testament. It's just as full of parables like that are as it can be. Now, the perfect, in Genesis, when God made the, the sun first, the moon next, that moon and sun represents Christ and the church. Just as the sun comes up in its power and glory, 
And when it goes down, it reflects its light to the moon in the darkness to give light on the earth while the sun is gone. Jesus, when he left, he went into glory and reflected his light back on the church to give the church light of the gospel until he returns. Oh, my, and then he'll get married. <laughs> That'll be wonderful. It'll be one great light of moon and the Lamb is the light thereof. They needed no more sun in the city. Now, for a little preview, let's go back into Exodus. And I hope you don't get tired of me talking Exodus. One time in my church across the river, I preached, I believe, about a year and six months on Job. Every night. You come back and take a little part of Job and going on, we make it run through the Bible. Every scripture dovetails together. There's no contradiction in God's Word. No, sir. It's ever been perfect. The only book ever written that's inspired like that, that can perfectly, wrote by many writers and many hundred years apart, and every one of them, by the Holy Spirit speaking, dovetails right together. That's the reason on all these extra books of Maccabees and things that don't coincide with this, so I don't accept it. This is God's Word to me. And some woman... <laughs> wrote me a letter and said, I was preaching Job on the ash heap. She said, Brother Branham, you've been had Job on the ash heap about long enough, don't you think? Been there about six weeks. Said, Why don't you ever go to get him off of the ash heap? Well, I said, when the Holy Spirit quits pushing the words out of there, I guess I'll just have to quit saying. But, but as long as he kept me talking about him on the ash heap, well, I just stayed right with it. The soul's getting saved. So, like the evangelist came to the city he preached uh, one night he preached on repentance the next night he preached on repentance the next night he preached on repentance after about four or five nights the deacon board met him and said brother can't you preach anything else besides repentance I said oh yes let them all repent first and I'll preach on something else <laughs> a good idea if everyone repent then we can preach on something else alright for a little preview now to those for especially those who were not at the tabernacle Sunday morning we want to drop back over to the 12th chapter but our basic thought tonight is in the 14th chapter beginning with the 13th verse of Exodus now we left off on the 10th verse Sunday morning of the redemption by blood most all of you are acquainted with the story I'm sure now, we know that we can pull back the leaves of this book and turn these pages over, but there's only one who can open the book. That's Jesus Christ. John saw the book. It was sealed. and He wept because there was no man in heaven could open it, no man on earth, no man beneath the earth. But there was a lamb that had been slain from the foundation of the world, come tuck the book out of the right hand of him and set upon the throne and open the seals and, and open the, the book loose the seals thereof, and he was worthy, for he had been slain from the foundation of the world. Let's speak to him tonight and ask him to open it for us just now. Now, kind, loving Father, we come to thee, addressing thee first in the name of Jesus, praying now that as we stand here sheltered under this roof tonight, for that storm is raging outside, rains are twisting and blowing. We're so thankful to have the house of God to come into. And we're thankful that there is a tower, a refuge. It said the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. 
We're so glad that we know the name of the Lord and have come into it. Now we pray that you'll open this word to us tonight, Father. May the Holy Spirit come and get into the word, circumcise the lips of this poor humble servant and the hearts of those who will listen, your children. And may the Holy Spirit take just the words of God and place it in every heart just where it's needed. Bless us now. Renew our minds tonight in thy spirit. Get glory out of service. Save the lost. Heal the sick. Bring home the backslidden Lord. And we'll give thee the praise for we ask it in the name of thy beloved Son, Jesus. Amen. Now turn to the 10th verse of the 12th chapter of Exodus. We were reading the redemption by blood, how that God had ordained the lamb to be slain in each house, how there was to be nothing left over, the judgment had been fallen, and the last judgment now was ready to fall. God was going to fulfill his word to the letter. And all those judgments back there was a perfect sign or a perfect uh, type of the judgments which are ready to fall now. And if you'll notice, before the judgments fell, now ministers may disagree with me on this, which is all right, but before the judgments started hitting Egypt, God sent Israel to Goshen. They were in Goshen and no plague fell on them. A perfect type of the church carried over to the tribulation seat. All right. Then at the last plague that struck the earth, there struck Egypt, was death. All you Bible readers here know your Sunday school lessons and so forth has taken this perhaps many times. Was death was the last enemy that struck Egypt. And the last enemy that's going to strike the church now is death. Spiritually speaking, those who will not follow Christ and, and baptism of the Holy Spirit will spiritually dry up and die. The church as you see it now, after many, many great revivals and evangelists have passed through the land, and yet the church is, that is politically church speaking, is getting worse all the time. Its members are just living any way they want to, doing anything they want to, yet calling themselves Christians and say they're all right. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. Go to a place you wouldn't want to be if Christ would come. Say nothing you wouldn't want to be saying when Christ comes. Doing nothing that you wouldn't want to be doing when Christ comes. Think nothing you wouldn't want to be thinking when Christ comes. Keep your one motive, your heart centered on Calvary. Amen. Walk in the light as he is in the light, and we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. That's Methodist, Baptist, and all of us together. Makes us all one in him. Now, the last... The last thing was death, and before that death comes, there was an atonement made for that death, 
for all who desire to escape it. And there was an atonement made before the first destruction of the Andalusian world. God had a preacher of righteousness, Noah, and he preached 120 years for people to come into the ark, and those who willfully refused to go, there was nothing left but judgment. And today, man who refused to walk in the light of Christ, you have spurned mercy, so there's nothing left but judgment. That's all. There's this right left side, the only one you can go to. And you make your choice. Now, we see before the, the great awful night come that Israel was commanded, and we already taken that, of killing the lamb. God would bring his church into the exodus to bring it out of Egypt into the promised land. I like that. They were going over to possess the land. God gave them the land, and yet it was all fenced in with big, great buildings and fences and walls around Jericho. The chariots could run races around it. And just think of that, yet God said, I'll give it to you. It's yours. But they had to clean up. Clean it up. And that's what God has did today. He's given every one of you. It wants it. The baptism of the Holy Ghost. But you got to go and possess it. That's all. Fight out the differences and tear down the walls and get started in there and get it. He said, the pastor said, it's not for us today. Just walk right on the past it. Mother said, I'll run you away from home. Go right on the past it. Husband said, I'll leave you. Go right on the past it. That's all. Got to go and possess it. That's all. Divine healing for every one of you. Every one of you sitting here tonight with cancer, heart trouble, whatever it is, God has given the promise. And it's yours, but you have to go and possess it. Now you say, well, I just don't feel just very good. That has nothing to do with it. The promise is yours. God give it to you. Just go out there and slay Philistines from one side or the other and take out all the Havites and, and Amorites. Just kill them out. Go on in, take it. God said it's yours. Go get it. But he didn't say, now I'll go and sweep it all out and build you up some nice cities and set you down on easy street. He doesn't do that way. He gives it to you and you got something to do. He's good enough to give you the land, said he'll help you and be with you, go take it. And if you're sick tonight, crippled, blind, deaf, dumb, whatever you are, go take it. God said it was yours. It's your possession. God gave it to you. He told him that he would give him that land, send an angel before him to take care of the way, bring him into the place where it was. Look at them spies when they went over it. Here come ten of them back to, oh, we can't do it. It's impossible. While we're scientists and we've looked the thing over, it's scientifically impossible. We can't do it. But there was two fellows, one of them named Joshua and one named Caleb. They wasn't looking to what the scientific side was. They was looking to what God said, said we can do it. That's right. And they brought back some evidence that it was a good land. I'm so glad of that evidence, aren't you? That is a good land, just a brother, and we're on a road tonight. Hallelujah. All right. Here they was now, just before redemption. God required the children of Israel that they be sure to be protected, to kill this lamb, and to put the blood on the lintel, the top of the door like this, and each post. And they were to go in and eat this lamb, every bit of it. Notice, all the lamb. Not just part of it, every bit of it is to be eaten. Some people say, I'll just take this part. No, I believe this part, but you've got to take it all. 
Every bit of it. Oh, I believe he was wounded for our transgressions, but by stripes, I don't know about it. We want it all. Every bit of it is to be eaten, all of it. Some of it gets tough, but we have to eat it anyhow. God said so. Notice the tenth verse. Now, and ye shall, uh, ye shall let nothing of it remain until morning, and that which remains until the morning shall burn with fire. And now, none of it is to remain. Everything. Now, he said, when you eat it, don't eat it raw or sodden, but you must eat it uh, well cooked. Now, I like that. People trying to eat the Word of God and to take it like it was raw, chew on it and spit on it and everything else. Oh, I just can't take it. I can't stand it. It isn't cooked done enough. That's all. He said, cook it with fire. Fire represents the Holy Ghost. You get God in your heart first, it'll cook it for you. That's right. Cook it out, done, seasoned, then it tastes good. Now, you can't stand off like this outside and say, oh, I, I don't know whether it's for me or not. That might be for days gone by. Just get the Holy Ghost first and watch what divine healing means to you then. Look what a heartfelt religion means to you then when you've got the Holy Spirit here to cook the lamb as it comes. Amen. That's right. Cook the lamb first, and you have to have fire to cook it with. It should be roasted. Oh, my, that's when it's good. Roasted. It just burns out all the... I was standing here not long ago by a big smelter, and I noticed how hot that fire was. And it just cooked and cooked and cooked. And as it, the hotter it got, the, the drop in the metals in the gold all come to the top and it skimmed it off. And it heats the fire a little hotter and this smelter and then when it's a ball more, it gets some more different stuff, pyrite and stuff out of it. The first come up was the dirt, like dirt and mud. The next come up was ores, like all oh, something no good, some quicksilvers and all these things. They come up and skim that off. Went on down, right down, and the last thing they took out of it was pyrite. That's fool's gold. You know, there's a lot of things and people that try to fool one another when you're a Christian or acting like it anyhow, see? But you just let the Holy Ghost sort of ball in there, and I think takes all the fool's gold out of you, too. <laughs> fool's gold. Many people go out west and they find some of it and they think, oh, they struck a gold mine. It shines better than gold up. But it's fool's gold. It has got no value to it. And now they cook that and they skim it all off and just keep cooking it and cooking it until it's pure gold, boils down to nothing but 100% gold. And that's the way God does in his church, pours the Holy Spirit on it and cooks down in there until he throws out all the worldliness and the differences and the selfishness and all this, so he just boils it out of every individual that will come to him. Amen. Now, then you can eat it. Here's another beautiful thought here on the, on the 11th verse. And thus shall you eat it with your, listen to this, loins girded. I like that. Shoes on your feet, staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It's a large Passover. I like that. While you're eating, be ready to go. That's the issue. Let's turn over to Ephesians, about the sixth chapter of Ephesians, and look in here what Paul said about get the church ready. Sixth chapter of Ephesians, beginning at the 14th verse of the sixth chapter, 
Stand therefore, having your loins girded about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all things take the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. See Paul dressing up a man for the battlefield, for the march. God and beginning at delivering of Israel. He said, now you want to get ready for the march? When you come out of the blood, put on your shoes. Gird up your arms. Get your staff in your hand. And get ready for the call. I like that. A man now, when he comes into Christ, he gets his gospel shoes on to preach the gospel. The helmet of salvation on, the breastplate of righteousness girds up his lawns. These usually in the old soldiers, when they put on those ornaments of war, they had a big belt that buckled it together, holding over their lawns these shields to keep the enemy's spears off. What a real lesson that is to us. And when the, the loins begin to get weak, hang down, the shield, they tighten up on the belt, bring them up tight again. What a perfect picture today when you begin to feel like you're slacking or the devil says, it's no use, reach down and tighten up the belt a little bit. Pull up the sword a little tight in the hand and go forward. I like that. Be ready for the march. Every man walking under that blood that night was commanded to stay there, not go out, until the orders come to march. And every man that's born of the Spirit of God comes into Christ, has everlasting life, puts on his shield, his breastplate, standing ready and forbidden to leave until orders to march. Oh, isn't it marvelous? Aren't you glad you got it all harnessed up tonight, you soldiers? Used to have a song leader at the tabernacle, a theme song was the fight is on, old Christian soldiers, face to face in stern arrays, with armors gleaming, color streaming, the right and wrongs engaged today. The fight is on, but be not weary, be strong and in his might hold fast. If God be for us, his battle over us, we'll sing the victor's song at last. Many of them old saints have gone to the grave, but one of these days, yonder in the new world, when they come forth into the promised land, the banner of the cross will be over us and we'll sing the victor song. When we said at the wedding supper that night around the table, that great table may be a hundred thousand miles long with the blood washed saints sitting around there. I want to go down on the table and shake hands with every one of them. Amen. Just shouting. You want to hear me shout? Wait till you get over there. Watch me. I ain't big enough yet for this. But notice, on the march now, get ready, we're going. Here's a sad picture before we get over to a regular lesson. It's found in the 38th verse. There, listen, and a mixed multitude went up with their flock. That's where Israel made a mistake. The supernatural had been done. An unconverted people followed because of the supernatural, finally got him into trouble. And on down, when the Lord is shared about the 42nd verse, in the 43rd verse, 
the Lord speaking to Moses said that no one but those who were sacrificed could eat the sacrifice rather but those who were circumcised. No strangers, no outsiders, no one should take it but those who are circumcised. And what a disgrace that we have today, in this day, beloved friends, that when in the church, everybody that belongs to the church takes communion. And that's wrong. Only those who are redeemed, that's all who are worthy. Isaiah spoke and said, the tables of the Lord would be full of vomit. Said, who shall I teach doctrine? Them that are weaned from the breast. Said, precept must be upon precept, line upon line, here and there and hold fast to that what's good. God speaking, knowing that the day that we're living in, that the church would be so politically till we let everything people come in, long as they had their name on the church books, they were members, they taken communion, and the Bible said, he that eats and drinks is unworthy is guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. St. John 13th chapter, Jesus speaking. 2 Corinthians 11th chapter, Paul said years later that he that eats and drinks this unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself, he says before, take, I'm quoting scripture. That's right. He that eats and drinks unworthy, eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body, and for this cause many are sick and weakly among you, and many sleep. Be sure that you're standing right with God. Here it is in the shadow that no one but the circumcised, no matter how royal he was, how much he helped the Jewish church, he had to be a proselyte, had to be a real circumcised believer before he could take the communion or eat the Passover. Oh, how far we got off the line today. Now, let's go quickly then, and God brought them out tonight. We're turning now to the 13th verse of the 14th chapter. God gave them the pillar of fire to go before them. I think they had a picture here tonight, and I say it was reverent. To my honest opinion, while we're here in this group tonight, I believe that is with us tonight. The same pillar of fire that led the children of Israel is going before us, performing the same times and wonders. And any teacher here, a scholar of the Bible, knows that the angel that followed Israel and guided them to the promised land was the angel of the covenant, which was Jesus Christ. And today, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, is following before this group that you want to call them holy rulers if you want to, are going on, leading from victory unto victory. Praise God. In them nations in them days, they were despised and hated and rejected and turned down by the nations and called everything. So is it today with the true believer. You and your churches, you know, when you take a stand for Christ and speak for truth, the whole church says, look at him, he's lost his mind, he's gone crazy. Don't pay no attention to that, follow along. You're all armored up now. The blood's going before you. 
The Holy Spirit leading it. Just keep moving. Don't pay attention to what nobody tells you. Look straight to Calvary and march on. Beautiful type. Now, they had come out to the God, and now notice, blood redemption brought them out of Egypt. Now, they had to have something else now to take them all over into the land. Now they're just beginning to start. They come out, been circumcised, come under the blood, and on the march. Now they got up to something. They are going along there, knowing that they passed from death unto life, know they had eternal life, but here they are coming up now, and difficult begins to rise. Here comes Pharaoh's army pursuing them to take them. Trouble set in. Listen, God is our refuge. Not a strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Oh, I hope you see this. Here it is. No, listen, 13th verse now. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. I love that. After Jesus rose from the dead, his words were constantly, Fear not. That's what the trouble of the church today is scared to death. You're going to make a failure. How can you fail when you're in Christ? You can't fail. You've got everlasting life. All demons in hell can't shake you. You've got everlasting life. Jesus said so. So don't be scared of failure. You say, well, I'm afraid I'll get fanatic. I'd rather have a little fanaticism and sit still and do nothing. <laughs> I sure would. A man is going to do something. Is told about Ballard's up here. A fellow come to get a job from him, and he said, "Sign your name here." He took his pencil to sign. He said, "Where's your razor at?" So don't go make no mistakes. He said, "I can't use you. You ain't going to do nothing." That's right. If you don't make no mistakes, you're not, you're not doing nothing. Let's go, brother. Be up and going. I like Longfellow there. Tell me not in mournful numbers. Life is but a empty dream, and the soul is dead to slumbers, and things are not what they seem. But yes, life is real and life is earnest, and the grave is not its goal. Dust our hearts to dust return is not spoken of the soul. Let us be up and doing with our hearts for any side. Be not like dumb, driven cattle. Be a hero. Don't wait for people to persuade you to Christ. Stand like a man or a lady, accept him, and walk forward in victory. Amen. That's what God wants. Rugged, ready soldiers. You might not be weigh 105 pounds, but you still be ruddy, brother, and full of power. If you'll just let God have his way. I've seen men that weighed 200 pounds, didn't have an ounce of men in them. That's right. All right. Notice, Moses said unto the people, Fear not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. That's good. Just march on. Don't get scared about nothing. If you accept the Christ as your Savior, go on. Brother Brown, I want the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Just keep moving. Don't fear. You say, I'm sick now, Brother Brown. I can't go much farther. Don't worry. Just keep moving on. See the salvation of our Lord. Accept it. Just move on. How's it going to be? The doctor turned me down. I, the fellow done the best he could, but God hasn't done his best yet. Just try. That's the moment. Listen at him now. All right, the Lord, which he will show unto you today, for the Egyptians, the assayers, the truth, the troublemakers, 
Say, Brother Graham, if I could just quit smoking, if I could just lay down drinking, if I could just quit my stealing, if I could just quit my uh, doing this, that, and the other, don't worry, just walk on. God will take care of the rest of it. If I know that I could do it, Brother Graham, I'd accept Christ right now. Don't you worry, move on. Just go on. You'll see the salvation of the Lord. For the Egyptians who you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. Amen. It's going to be settled after a while. The Lord shall fight for you, and you shall be a hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore cry thou unto me? Speak to the children of Israel that they go forward. I like that. Don't try to say, say, well, I joined the church ten years ago, Brother Branham. I've been a good faithful member. That's fine. I appreciate that. But let's move on tonight. God's moving on. The people today here, they go back, they say, well, now, science. 150 years ago, there was a science in France that said if a man ever went the terrific speed of 30 miles an hour, gravitation would take him off the earth and he'd be gone. <laughs> 30 miles an hour. He's going about 1,600 miles an hour now. You never hear science refer back to that fellow. He was all right in his day, but they're living in another day. That's right. But we preachers, oh no, divine healing. Now let me see what, what St. Moody, Finney, Knox, Calvin, some of them said about it. They were all right in their days, but we're moving on. Going forward. We got something else. Jesus said in the parable there, the sower, when the sower went forth and sowed seeds, and some, the enemy come around and sowed some weeds in the wheat, he said, let them grow together. You're always pointing how wicked the worlds are getting, but you fail to see how powerful the churches are getting. At the same time, she's rising up, standing on her feet. Oh, she's a little flock, but her brother God's with her. And she's going to triumph just as certain as Christ rose from the dead. Amen. God's church shall never fail. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Shall they be against it? But they cannot prevail. The church is going to triumph through the blood of Jesus Christ to the victory march. I'm positive of this one thing, that God will have a church without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Amen. I'm so happy about that. Now, if I am in that church, amen. Brother Brown, how do you get into it? By letter? No. How do you get into it? By birth. Born into it. I've been in the Brandon family be 45 years, the sixth day of this coming April, and they never did ask me to join their family. I was born to Brandon. I'll always be a Brandon. I was born a Christian in Jesus Christ. I'll be a Christian because God has ordained it so by election. He called us to the grace of his own beloved son. We accepted him and got eternal life. By one handshake, by one membership, by one letter, by one spirit. We're all baptized into one body, Jesus Christ, and there become fellow citizens of the kingdom. I was thinking today, as I was away praying, uh, how that this is the day that we're going to have to answer for. 
I'm not going to have to answer for the generation that was before me or the generation that will be after me. But in the judgment, I'm to stand with this generation. Now, I said, look at that a woman's picture on the sign, beer drinking, something other said she was breathless or something. I said, yes, and lifeless too. All right. There you are. I said, what a disgrace of all the preaching. I said, sometimes it seems, I told my wife, I said, sometimes it seems it doesn't do any good. But I've got to be the voice of warning anyhow, regardless of what people do about it. I've got to preach the gospel anyhow and give a witness unto the resurrection and the power of Jesus Christ. Let them forsake it and turn their back. God will judge them at the judgment part. I'm only responsible for preaching and other ministers too who preach the gospel. Now, I just love it. Notice, go farther now, and you will see the glory of God. But listen, the 16th verse now, we read this. But lift up the rod, the rod, that was the judgment rod. Now, it wasn't Moses' rod, that was God's rod. If you notice, Moses, he took that rod, he held it up like this, please come. He held it over the waters, it turned to blood. It was God's judgment rod. And that same rod, get it? That same rod is what he smote the rock with. And a cliff came in the side of the rock, and waters came out of the rock. Now, that rock was Christ, and it was God's judgment the day you eat there, that day you die, smoke Christ to Calvary and paid that bitter, agonizing death. No man never could describe what it was and never will. There God placed all the divine judgment upon him and smote him in the side when out of his side come water and blood and spirit for our redemption. How people paint his picture sometimes with a robe around him or something other on the cross. That is not so. They disposed that man of every foul, vulgar thing that they could. But he had to be. There he was, the highest lawless of all the world that ever was or will be. And it exposed naked on the cross, wounded, smitten, bleeding. God's mockery spit hanging from his face, a mocking crown of thorns on his head. But there is when he conquered death, hell, sin, sickness, and the grave, and paid the price for it all. It's often said sometimes, therefore he took the sting out of death. That's where Paul said, oh, death, where is your sting? Well, I've been told that many insects, bees and things, they got a stinger, and they're poisoned with it. But one time they sting, they lose their stinger. Death had a stinger at one time, but Christ on Calvary got the stinger out of death. Hallelujah. Oh, when I think of it, there he pulled the stinger out of death for me and you. All the sting of death, Paul said when he was going to cut his head off in the Roman prison, he said, Death, where is your sting? Pointed back to Calvary, there's where Stinger was taken out of death. 
Great is your victory, said the thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Alright. The rod, the judgment, and stretch it out. Cover this the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go over on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the heart of the Egyptians, and they shall follow thee, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon all his hosts, and upon the chariots, and upon the horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, and upon his chariots, and upon his horses. And the angel of God, listen, tighten up the harness now, and the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, he's still here. The angel of God that went before the camp of Israel removed and went back behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. Or went up from here and stood back here. A go-between in a time of trouble. When trouble begins to face you, Sickness on the other hand, trouble. The angel of God comes up, goes out between you and the sickness and stands out away, challenging you to take God's word. God had given Israel the promise that they were going to the land. There was a millions probably of man coming to pursue them and run them down and chop them down like a bunch of animals. But the angel of the Lord, who was there to carry them to the promised land, rose up from the camp and went and stood between them and danger. Hallelujah. He still does it. He'll make the way. Oh, I just love him for that, don't you? He'll make the way for every sick person sitting here right now. He's already made the way. And he's standing between you and trouble. And I know he's here right now. You can call me a fanatic if you want to. I'm not responsible for what you say, but I'm responsible for what I say before God. But he who led the children of Israel, if I have judged it right, on that light that you see tonight, or seen on that picture, I suppose, up the mountain tonight, that same angel of God is in this building right now. To do just exactly what Jesus did in that day, he's sure to confirm just what he did then, he is now and will always be the same. The angel of God moving up to stand between us and sickness, stand between us and death. No wonder David said, Yea, though I walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil for thou art with me. Sure. Standing there, the angel of God went before the camp of Israel and removed and went and stood between them and the enemy. And the angel of God is standing tonight between every individual here and the enemy. I know what I'm speaking of. I know why I'm standing here now on the platform before this little group of people tonight. I know that God has come and coming down from glory and standing in this building now. If you only dare 
to move out on God's Word. See if He don't move before you. Watch. And it came between the camp and the Egyptians. He's coming between you and your sickness. He's standing between you and your sins right now. Why? We are in the exodus of the church. Egypt was always called the world. And when Israel come out, remember they were church members down there. But after the blood and the atonement was made, they become the circumcised of God. And the circumcision today is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All said Stephen, all you uncircumcised in the heart and ears, why do you always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did? So do you. The Holy Spirit circumcised in the heart, cutting away the things of the world. It used to be the old-fashioned holiness church lived it, acted like it, lived like it. But today it's just like the rest of the world. It's a disgrace we let down the bar. Old Brother Spurgeon used to say, an old Methodist preacher friend of mine used to sing a song, we let down the bars, we let down the bars, we compromise with sin, we let down the bars, the sheep got out. How did the goats get in? Because you let down the bars. That's it, you let down the standard of Christian living. Because the seminary packs out a few preachers and stand down to compromise with the truth. But the Holy Ghost has always been there to condemn sin and is tonight, and between the believer and the things of the world. Amen. And it came between the camp and the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. And it was a cloud of darkness to them, but it gave light by night to thee, so that the one came not near the other all night. Look, the same thing that was given this group of believers, light, was blind to them. All right, put on your shockproof jacket, here it comes. Look. Every man that rejects light goes blind and walks in darkness because you don't accept light. Amen. God sends ministers and preach the gospel. He sends signs and wonders among men to vindicate it to be the truth. And man rejects it. There's nothing left but darkness for you. Walk in the light while the light is shining, my brother. Receive the light. Christ is the light. He's come to bring life to you. But those who rejected light receive darkness. And every man and woman tonight who rejects light walks in darkness, not knowing where he's going. He staggered along pretty good popular with the people, but wonder how he stands in the presence of God. Notice it. What a marvelous thing here. He was light to one and darkness to the other. The Israelites then, after Moses prayed, they could lay down in peace. Now watch. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and made the sea a dry land, and the waters were divided, and the children of Israel went unto the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, 
if you'll notice. Wow, the children of Israel who had come out of darkness and accepted the light, when they got in trouble, the light turned back around and they slept all night and while they were sleeping, God was sending a wind blowing down across the sea, opening up a way of escape. Hallelujah to the Lamb. I'm so glad that I've been filled with the Holy Spirit tonight. While we are sleeping, rejoicing, resting in the promise of God, God promised them to make a way of escape. And while they were resting on this promise, God was down there before them, opening up a way. Every man and woman tonight that will accept Jesus Christ on those grounds, the Holy Spirit, while you're asleep, while you're resting in His promise, maybe you're crippled, maybe you're blind, maybe you can't hear, maybe you can't see, maybe you're sick, heart trouble, cancer, or something, die, accept the light tonight and rest upon it. And the wind coming like a rushing mighty wind on the day of Pentecost will move down to that and open up a way for you. Hallelujah! That you'll pass right through that valley of sickness, right back into the land of health again. You'll pass right through that land of cold, formal shackled down in different religions to a Holy Ghost filled, happy, rejoicing, heart full of joy. God shows His power and was showing, excuse me, I'm getting too loud, showing redemption by power. He showed the blood back down one thing. He showed his power here by his blood to redemption. Showed his power to escape death through the blood. He showed his power to make a way of escape by redemption of power. And today you who have accepted, amen, you who have accepted the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse you from sin, the power of the Holy Ghost is here to lead you to the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The power of God is here to transform you from sickness to health. God moving on in the exodus of his church is coming into the blossom where God will gather at the holly's green. Wonderful. Coming out of the darkness into the marvelous light. How we love that. How I do hope that means to my soul tonight. Friends, you I was talking to a man today who just met me while I was out. And he said, I've been trying to tell people that I've changed a lot, Billy, since you was a kid, said you used to come by and tell me at my place of business that I ought to get right with God. I ought to be right with God. And said, I'll try to laugh at you. But said, Billy, things have changed now. Said, I know now what you speak of. Oh, praise God. He said, I'll try to tell others about it. Said, they'll change the subject and go talk about a funny paper or something. Oh, it ain't me, this next child on the corner, he may die. He's the next one. Maybe his number is next, and not knowing whose number is next, it may be yours tonight, friends. This may be the time God calls you. God, the great Holy Spirit, standing here tonight between death and life, standing here tonight between sickness and health, I know what I speak of. That's right. Right now, the same Holy Spirit that you feel, right? every born-again person's bound to feel that Spirit in the room. You can't help it. If you've got any life, you know it's there. All right. How like a magnet, when, it's, when the great magnet's coming here, the material, it begins to move and crawl. Why? Wow. Closer it gets, like a big magnet, come down up here and 
One time a ham in Indiana, I was watching take up shavings on the floor. They pulled a great big lever, down come a great big magnet, they had all the uh, shavings swept out in the middle of the floor, and as it passed by, all those shavings that was magnetized to the magnet, iron, went right up and went with the magnet out, they demagnetized it, dropped it into the cupola, and molded it again. There's a lot of aluminum shavings left. I said, why didn't they go? He said, they're not magnetized to the magnet. I said, praise God. I said, why didn't these go down here to see the iron? So if you notice, it's bolted down. And that's about like a lot of people tonight, friends. You become a church member, but not magnetized by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Then you let something shackle you down, some difference shackle you down. But one of these days, there's a great magnet coming from the east called the Son of God that'll sweep this land and every person that dead flesh shall rise with the body of these old bodies will be transformed and made in likeness into his own glorious body, for we shall live forever and ever, free from sickness, free from old age, free from everything else, and in the glory of God to live in his blessed presence forever. Amen. Don't let that scare you. I feel religious right now. <laughs> I sure do. All right. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and at the last days he'll stand on this earth. Though the skin one destroys this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, who I shall see for myself. Mine eyes shall be holding out another. Don't think I'm crazy. I'm not. If I am, just let me alone. I'm more happier this way than it was the other way. Yes, sir. Just let me say this way. Oh, sure, it's crazy to the world. For the things that the world calls crazy, God calls blessed. You have to lose your mind to this world. Because what? You're not of this world. When you cross over that separating line, you become fellow citizens of the kingdom of God. Oh, my. How good is it? Why? You become a new creature. Oh, my. Change from this what you are now. You are now the sons of God. Now are we sitting together in heavenly places. Now we will be in the millennium. We are now. Right now we're the sons of God. Right now we're sitting together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not just in the church, we're in Christ Jesus. The resurrected Lord Jesus is here. He's sharing his power. He's sharing his redemption power. He's sharing for the exodus. He's sharing to bring every church member into fellowship with him. He's sharing to bring every sinner, no matter how low you are. He's sharing to bring the power of his resurrection into your life and make you a new creature. Here a few years ago, all the religions of the world met. I believe it was in London, England, or somewhere. I don't remember exactly. But when it was all speaking for different churches, the Mohammeds and the Buddhas and everything, a little, a fellow that represented the American Holiness Church, John Witt, I believe was his name. So then when he got up his time to speak, all the religions represented in this great gathering, he told the story of Lady Maccabee, how low she was. Got arrested in Oklahoma with a cigar in her mouth, driving her, breaking the speed law, going through the streets with a stagecoach. She had done so many murders and so filthy and so ornery until when they went to tar and feather, they wouldn't even put their hands on her, afraid to be polluted. And when he got the story told in such a dramatic way, some of her listener was sitting on the end of the seat 
He said, gentlemen, other religions of this world, has your religion got anything that would clean the hands of Lady Maccabee? Nobody said a word. He jumped up in the air and kicked his heels together, slapped his head. He said, the blood of Jesus Christ won't only clean her hands, but it will clean her heart. Amen. That's right. The blood of Jesus Christ will take the lowest prostitute in Louisville, Kentucky, and make a lady saint out of her. He'll take the bootlegger out of the place, on her, and make a gentleman out of him and a saint of God. My friends, citizens of the kingdom, my fellow man of Kentucky and Indiana and around about, don't you think tonight it's about time for you to consider this Lord Jesus before your last chance is taken? When you see the church going in this great exodus, see the pillar of fire leading before us, standing, performing miracles and signs. He's sure tonight in all his redeeming power. He's sure to make whole every sinner, to take back every backslider. He's sure to heal every sick person. He's a full gospel, and we preach the full gospel, eat the whole lamb, roast it with the Holy Ghost, and know that it's good eating, for the Holy Spirit has divined to us that it is real good. Taste and see the Lord is good. It tastes like honey in the rock. Our Lord Jesus here in his love and power, in his great redemptive blessings. Oh, how he stands between the church and sin tonight. How he stands between you and judgment. Bleeding, playing. Here I all go, I walked into a place up here in Ohio where I've been just about to pass my opinion of judgment. I've been eating at a little junkard restaurant, which had a great meeting. I had to stay several miles out in the country at a little motel. I've been eating at a junkard restaurant. Nice, lovely people. And on Sunday, they closed and went to church. I had to go across to an ordinary little common American place to eat my dinner. When I walked into the door, to my surprise, there stood a state police with his arm around a girl playing the slot machine. Now, gambling is illegal in Ohio. And there's a lawman himself breaking the law. And perhaps a man at my age, perhaps married to a family somewhere with his arms around some young lady sitting there. I look back across the restaurant. Some boys sitting back there, drunk, and a young lady not acting morally at all. I was sitting down to my right side here to a booth which I was ready to sit down. There sat an elderly lady, somewhat around 58, 60 years old, old as my mother, sitting there, skin all wrinkled up, the little bitty clothes on, and all it was terrible. And her toenails painted purple, her lips painted purple. The hardest looking sight you ever seen, her hair cut real short and fringed up like that. And she was drinking. There sat two men with her sitting there. Horribly looking, drunk, one of them laying across the plate of the table. And when they excused themselves and went out to the restroom, I said, oh, God, how can you stand it? How can you look at such as that when even in my heart and I'm as bad as I am? It's still I wonder if my little Sarah and Rebecca will have to raise up in such a generation to see that coming on. Lord, why don't you just wipe it off of the face of the earth? Uh, why don't you just do it, Lord? I sat down there and just started weeping. I saw a vision. I saw as it was the world whirling around in the air. And there stood a rainbow around that world. And someone that was speaking to me said, that's the blood of Jesus Christ around this world that keeps him from destroyed. If God can see sin the day you eat thereof, that day you die. Every man under that blood there has a, is a free moral agent to take your choice. But if you ever die and your soul soars beyond the mercy of that blood, you're already judged before you get there. There's nothing left for you. 
Then I seen myself. I seen my Lord Jesus standing there with a crown of thorns on his head and the tears running down, mixed up with blood as it was, washed off of his beard. And I seen my sins coming before him. And every time it would come before him like that, he was shaking the thorns and sticking his brow more. He'd stagger back. He'd say, Father, forgive him. He don't know what he's doing. And again, I would do something, and then his blood was like the bumper on the car, protecting the car, shielding me from the wrath of God. Undeserving. Now I'll come to him slowly, knelt down to him. I said, look down there, leaning from him. There was an old book of sin, and my name wrote across the top. I said, Lord, will you forgive me? Certainly, he said with loving eyes, reached to his side, got some blood out and wrote on it, pardoned, and throwed it back to see it forgiveness. He said, now, I said, thank you, Lord. He said, now, I forgive you, and you're condemning her. Oh, that changed the picture for me. I, I come out of it, I walked over there and sat down to her and began to talk, and she had some rough life back before. I said, was you never a Christian? She said, I was raised in a Christian home. I said, what happened? She told me about him. Missed you with her husband and our children and so forth. I said, oh, for all these years, you've never lived peaceful since you met God. She said, sir, that is the truth. I said, won't you receive him right now? She said, would he take me? I said, he's knocking at your heart now. And out of that booth there on the floor, knelt down before that audience of people, slot machines, pop bulbers, Cursing stops and everything else. And I lifted up my hands with my hands and I pulled wrinkled hands and led her to Jesus Christ. That's it, friends. Don't look, Jesus. I don't care what you've done, how black your sins are, how smutty your life is. God's standing tonight knocking at your heart's door to forgive you. No matter who you are, let's bow our heads a minute. Just here comes the argument there with you. Heavenly Father, oh, I pray that you will just now while the Holy Spirit spirits are moving in the building. Let us seek first the kingdom to find favor with you, and then I believe you'll heal the sick. But right now, Father, while feeling that there's a great deep interest and a conviction, people knowing that your church is in the exodus and we're going on towards judgment, not knowing that in the morning someone may come to the bedside and there we're laying down. This time tomorrow night may be in a marge somewhere, and I'm told right down in eternity. Oh, God, this may be the last hour. This may be the last chance that man will receive. Many, no doubt, are sitting here. Men and women who desired, who's lived just a normal, good life, but never been born again, doesn't know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. A complete surrendered life with all the shame, bashfulness taken from them, and God's Spirit baptized them into His mercy. Father, dear, won't you tonight, in the name of thy beloved child Jesus, move to every heart and speak just now. And may they, in the simplicity of their hearts, raise up their hearts to thee. Raise their heart and say, here I am, Jesus. Take me now, just as I am, and mold me and make me something different. Make me the kind of man you'd have me to be all through my life. You talk to me. You spoke to me. You tried to get me to do different. You tried to make me to make that stranger. But now, the day is far spent, Lord, with me. But I'm ready to come now. Granted, Father, while mercy is calling before judgment, the exodus of the churches leaving Egypt, may they come go along with the great group as they're called out. Yes, it in his name. And while we have our heads bowed, our eyes closed in Christian's frame. 
I wonder if you just raise up your hand and say, Brother Brandon, you remember me. I, I believe every word you're saying is the truth about Jesus Christ, and we all need to be filled with the Spirit, and I'm not yet. I've been a church member, or maybe you haven't been at all. Maybe you've been a sinner and never had accepted Christ, or you've been a member of the church and haven't been born again. Would you raise up your hand and say, Remember me, Brother Brandon, in your prayer. I want to be right. God bless you. God bless you, 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 my brother, you, sister, you, brother, you, 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 brother, sister, you. Oh, over to my last, how many over here raise your hand and say, remember me, brother Brandon, I want to be born. I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to you. If I be God's servant, I know as sure as I'm saying this platform, that the Holy Spirit speaking to heart here. Friends. I may be peculiar to you, but I'm not a fanatic. I do know what I speak of. If I know what your trouble is out there and what your disease is, and God hears my prayer for you, and right here in this building says people that has been healed with cancer and blindness and deafness and crippled and everything else, look at the millions around the world, what about you now? What about it now? If you'll hear my prayer for that morning, hear my prayer for your condition of your soul, if he reveal to me where your trouble is, won't he reveal to me now where your trouble is also? How many more will raise your hand and say, Brother Bramley, remember me? I want to this time ask God to be merciful to me. God bless you and you and you and you again, oh my, just all over the building, everything. While you have your head down, I wonder if you that raised your hand. Just have just a little more grace. Say, Lord, I have enough grace to raise my hand. Give me enough grace to stand up while he If you shall come for me before daylight, Lord, this is my sign to you that I want to be right. I want to meet you someday. This pulse will come up my sleeve and I'll press the dying pillow. The doctor will leave my bedside and nothing can be done. And God have mercy on my soul while the soul falls to death is floating in the room. Maybe the old ship of Zion come pack me away. I'm going to stand, Lord. It's taking a lot of grief, but something's moving me. I'm standing. God bless you, brother. Someone else is standing. I'm standing, Lord. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother, sister. Just remain standing. Everyone that wants to be remembered in this prayer for the salvation of your soul, would you stand? God bless you. God bless you, young man. God bless you, sir. God bless you, brothers. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, sister, you, brothers, someone else stand. Now, say, here I am. Brother Branham, I'm not standing before you. I'm standing before God. Something told me to stand up, and I'm standing. Will you do it? Just stand to your feet. Just take God this much. God bless you, lady. There's more. God bless you, lady. That's right. Poor mother holding her little baby, trying to get up tears in her eyes. Won't you come? Stand up again. God bless you, lady. Elderly lady, sit up and real elderly, knowing that you've got to face God one of these days. God bless you. Who will stand up next now? Say, I'll stand. Just remain standing for the prayer. Someone else. I just feel like if someone else wants to stand. Maybe you just want to get just a little closer. Don't cut it off anymore. Just stand. Will you do it, you one that wants to be closer to God? God bless you. That's right. With somebody. God bless you, lady. Yes, sir. There's at least three more people I'm looking right straight at ought to be standing up all there. Send the angel of God. God bless you, lady. That's right. Now, all right, brother. What about it? All right. An angel of the Lord standing. I know I see it, and I know that someone should stand right now. I'll wait just a minute longer. May God, you know he's present at your heart. He's standing there, my friend. That's him that's telling you to stand up. Won't you do it? 
I noticed a young man sitting here, believing, trying to, having faith. You believe that God will let me know what's wrong with you? He's do. If he will, would you accept your healing? You have heart trouble. Isn't that right? What if I told you now she's well of it? Would you believe it? Stand up just a minute. She got a nervous heart and a murmuring heart. Bothered you for some time. The only time when you lay down to it smothers and you have a lot of beating back and forth, fluttering. Is that right? Because it causes the indigestion from your stomach to run up through them veins. Isn't that true? You'll not be bothered with it no more. You'll keep what you have right now. You can go home and be well. I'm not reading your mind. I'm a perfect stranger to you. You're just a man sitting there. Is that right? Never seen you in my life. Never know nothing about you. Is that true? Well, the angel of the Lord is here. Frankly, young man, I want to ask you something and you see if this is true or not. A few, about a few moments ago, all of a sudden something screams from over you and I begin to talk about the stain gone out of the finger. Wasn't that right? Was the same feeling you had of Isn't that right? And didn't you look at me at that same time and my eyes catch you at the same time? That's when you were healed with heart trouble. Right there. Right. I'm not reading your mind, friends. I only speak the truth and God vindicates it to be the truth. What do you think about it sitting there next to me? Do you believe? Do you believe me to be God's prophet? Do you believe if God, are you setting towards you on the front seat? That's the reason I'm talking to you so much spirit back and behind and around me. But do you believe if I contact your spirit, God will reveal what's wrong? Would you accept your healing? You're diabetic. Is that right? Raise up your hand if that's the truth. Stand up on your feet. Do you accept your healing now? May the Lord Jesus Christ make you ever with hope. God bless you. Have faith. Somebody in here believes have faith with all your heart. I see a young man sitting there with a blue suit on. There it stands right above him. You have a skin disease, don't you, young man? Isn't that right? Stand up on your feet. Oh, I see you're with this delegation. Is that right? Well, you want to go home well? Raise up your hand and say, Lord Jesus, I now believe the angel of the Lord leads along, and I believe that I am healed. What do you think about next man too? Now, do you believe too? Stand up on your feet and I can look at you. Do you believe me to be God's servant with all your heart? You want to get over that heart trouble? That's what you had, wasn't it? That's what you had, I said. You don't have it now. You can go home too. The next man to him, what do you think about it, sir? You believe with all your heart? You believe me to be God's prophet? Stand up on your feet. You believe with all your heart now? You had nervousness, isn't that right? You, is that right? Raise up your hand. You go home well now. Jesus Christ make you well. What about the next man to stand down the road? You believe with all your heart? Stand up on your feet. You believe me to be God's prophet? To be his servant? You believe he'll tell me what's wrong with you? It's you to accept your healing? It's in your throat. Is that right? Go home and be well in the name of Jesus Christ. Anybody else in this building that wants to be made well can raise and be made well. If you believe me as God's servant, stand to your feet. God bless you. Female trouble. Cancer. There it goes. Uh, God be blessed. Every one of you, raise your hands to God. Our Heavenly Father, I now condemn every disease of this building. Cast out every evil spirit. And may the Holy Ghost take over now and make every person well. Lay your hands over on one another and say, praise the Lord everywhere. And rejoice and be happy for Jesus Christ is here, the Lamb of God, to make you well, everyone.